0: Hello everybody, I am Peter Goldstein, founder and chief synergy officer for We Did It. And I am so honored and pleased to be here with you today. It's a wonderful day. We have a couple of presenters that are going to help inspire everybody. But first, let me tell you just a little bit about our mission. Our mission is uh, to help create a healthy, happy, vegan world and to do that we are we're focused on how do we how do we create better relationships so that we can inspire hopeful com- hopeful uh <laughs> inspire hope hopeful curiosity in other people and people we care about and people we see in our lives all the time who who really could serve the world so much better and serve their own health so much better by by shifting lifestyle so uh peter goldstein we did it that health our uh we we offer a couple of things so we did it that health is our website one of the things you can find there is the million healthy life scoreboard so if you haven't done that yet please uh, chime in and be counted. We're looking to show the world what uh, vegan and plant-based people, how, what kind of impact we together as a community have on, on health, on animal justice, on climate healing and world hunger. Uh, please watch, uh, watch us on YouTube. Uh, we have a wonderful series of of lots of content and lots of presenters. We bring together experts from all areas to help us learn how we can be more effective ambassadors because that's our mission. And with that, I would like to welcome uh, here today's guests, Ann Piotrowski and Dr. Suzanne McAllister. And they're going to talk about... Uh, their approach uh, with compassionate disagreement and their PAW organization, which is a post animal use world. So that's what PAW stands for. And they're doing such magnificent work. And with that, I'm going to bring them on screen. So thank you everybody for joining us. And uh, I'm sure you're going to learn much and enjoy this presentation. So welcome Anne and Suzanne. And uh, please tell everybody more about your work and your passion and and uh, how you how you're serving the world to be a better world.
1: <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much, Peter. That was such a nice introduction. Um, I love the mission of We Did It. Uh, and uh, it just um, is very compatible with what we've been doing for for I don't know how many years now, Suzanne, but it's been it's been a bit right. It's been a, it's been a while. Um, but uh, so I'm a counselor and advocate, and I started doing something called conversations with a friendly vegan uh, a, a couple of years after I, after going vegan. And my goal was really to address any of the uh, tricky, awkward, frustrating interactions I had with my community, whether that be my family or uh, friends or just you know anyone. Uh, it seemed to be that the, when they found out I was, I was vegan, um, they had questions, but the, and, and I didn't, I enjoyed and welcomed the questions, but sometimes there would be this overtone, this tone of a conversation that would not feel very connected or feel very good. Uh, so, uh, because my, my, in part because my background is in counseling, I, I approached it the way that I knew how to, approach things was to try to figure out like kind of the psychology of it and what the heck was going on here? Why was this so difficult and why was it different? I had certainly been uh, passionate about other things in my life or uh, gone in uh, kind of been an outlier in some ways in some of my choices, but this definitely took on kind of a different tone. So I just set out to figure that out. And when I had spent a good amount of time, maybe a year studying and exploring and paying attention to myself and what was going on for me, uh, I decided one day to take my show on the road and test mm-hmm. out my theories uh, in a, in a, in a bigger context. So I did a table at a peace fair and I, I had just myself at a table, and I a sign that said "Hello, how about a conversation with a friendly vegan?" and um, and I was basically just I'm just going to invite anybody who wants to come up to the table and <laughs> to into a conversation and see how it goes. Uh, and I was it was one of the best days, one of the luckiest days because who was next to me at another table. Uh, but Suzanne McAllister, who, who uh, was so sweet, and she came up to me uh, in a moment, in a quiet moment, and, and said, sit down with me, tell me what you're doing. This is intriguing. Tell me what you're up to. And we just- I, I
2: can say more about that in a okay. second. Okay. Uh,
1: and we just really hit it off like from the, that moment. I mean, we, we really just connected personally. And then I think uh, I think I could speak for both of us when I say we just had a feeling that we could do really good work together. Yeah. I didn't know if I was ever gonna do another table again uh, at that point, it I was an experiment. I was just kind of being vulnerable and putting myself out, out there. Um, but we've done a bunch of tables yeah. since then uh, together and uh, and we continue and then continue to work on the PAW project. So, so compassionate disagreement is born kind of of that work, uh, trying to figure out what is happening, why do people uh, tend to get defensive, how, why do I get triggered when the, with the reactions that I get, what, what is, what's the mechanism at play there? Uh, and how can I soften it so that I can still feel connected to the people in my life? And then the people in the world, we need each other. So, Hmm. so that's that.
2: Hmm. Well, I will jump in here and say that, um, Anne's description is accurate. We were at adjoining tables. I was probably vegan, I don't know how many years at that point. Um, And I was at a table for the um, vegan spirituality group of Philadelphia, which I've been connected to for 13, 14 years. And what really struck me about what Anne was doing was, number one, the simplicity of it conversations with a friendly vegan and the reason it it I felt so drawn was that I think many people who changed their lifestyle by eating plant-based, going vegan, at least it was for me, was the um I uh, the response I got was totally unexpected. People say to me, Oh well was it hard? Well the the diet part was not hard at all. I mean, yes, is there a transition? Absolutely. But what was totally unexpected was the pushback that I got. And unlike you, Anne, the people, and I'm speaking mostly about my family now, um, it was not curiosity, it was not tell me about it. They were, um, there was an edge whenever we would have meals together. Um, either sort of these uh, making fun of me or where do you get your protein? All of those questions that we've all had. And so I was very drawn to what Anne was doing because I didn't know anybody else who was doing what she was doing, which was focusing on how do you maintain contact with people you're gonna have a relationship with? My family, I'm gonna have a relationship with them where I can stay connected and not just want to leave in a huff because I'm uh, upset at the way I'm being treated. So that was my introduction to Anne. And we did um, start working together and we came up with this post animal use world about a year and a half ago, maybe closer to two. And it's really developed over that time. But as you said, Anne, it is so compatible, Peter, with how you have characterized we did it. Um, our goal was having been in this vegan world now for me, it's I think 17 years, um, I have found that that pressuring anybody or, and maybe it's also my training as a psychologist, you don't get people to do things by pushing them or you can encourage, you can try to inspire. And so we came up with this, which is, can we ask people to um, create their vision for what a post animal use world would look like? And so for me, it's almost like, oh, I'm starting to think about the world in a different way, maybe in a way I had never ever imagined. And so maybe they've never thought about the orca that's in a tank. They've never thought about the horse that's pulling the carriage, but they might start thinking about it, and one thing may lead to another so that was the genesis of our uh, our work together at paw and many other things but um mm-hmm. we have meetups and Facebook page and we're on social media. I have a YouTube channel that um where I interview um, advocates and activists um and so we're we do a bunch of things anyway. I think I should let Anne start her presentation. <laughs> yeah, just to think when you were describing that, Suzanne,
1: I just I felt I, I, one of the things that occurred to me is that what drove my what drove me is something that can drive a lot of people. When you were talking about those interactions with family members, there can be a lot of pain there. It can be very painful to feel mocked or dismissed or, you know, kind of belittled, I guess. Uh, And I did not want to. um, I didn't want that's not the basis for uh, for healthy connections and relationships. Um, So. So having said that, here we go. Um, so <laughs> so uh, there are two, two things that overlap very much, and that is conversations with a friendly vegan, which is the first thing that I started that I've talked about. That's how Suzanne and I met. And then the PAW project, which is something that uh, very similar missions, but um, more geared towards imagining a, a post-animal use world, helping people to come up with that vision. And then this year, we're really shifting slightly, just or focusing greater attention on helping people turn those visions into some concrete action steps. Um, so about us, I think we kind of covered this, Suzanne. Do you feel like we can kind of yep. move through yep. these slides? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's up to say, so, uh, um, I, I so I talk about veganism in a way that prioritizes connection because I feel strongly that that offers a good foundation for not just my own personal well-being and health of my relationships, but also for advocacy. So um, when I'm out doing tables, so I do have. Uh, Fun picture here. Okay, so this is Suzanne and I at the table. This is not the one where we met. This is when we're running together. We, uh, it, it was upgraded from just me at a blank table <laughs> with a sign to <laughs> having a few more things up there and our t-shirts that say, hello, how about a conversation with a friendly vegan? Which by the way, there's no I- intended implication that vegans aren't generally friendly uh, because mm-hmm. I, in my experience, um, you know, we are, uh, mostly, but um, it, it's simply to play on that trope to get people to let their guard down for a moment, maybe, and it uh, gets people to come over.
2: Uh, let, let, let me jump in here, too, because please. I think when I saw that, and I agree with them, I don't meet unfriendly vegans for the most part. However, what I realized is that People assume that we are not going to be friendly, and so there's a built in defensiveness where they fear they're going to be judged and that was what I thought was so um uh, captivating about what you had come up with thank so. you I think what
1: i was in my mind I was thinking if i if it was if I was saying I was saying like I'm not going to be mean, like I'm not going to hurt you, I'm not going to do anything terrible, I'm not going to shame you, like let's just talk, it's just, the the subtext is no judgment, no agenda, just a conversation, so you can relax a little bit. Okay, so that's so that's kind of why we're here to share what we've learned over the years in, in doing this work and you know through our professions, and just kind of this is what we bring to the table and what we want to share with you. Why we are we think you're here based on what we've been told and you know what we're assuming, but um so we think you're here because communication can be frustrating and challenging, at least unsatisfying, especially when somebody disagrees with you. Uh that you want to contribute to a more compassionate world, but when you feel like this poor woman, which I sometimes do, um, it's kind of difficult to stir up uh, stir up those feelings. Um, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but compassion is something that we all have the capacity most people have the capacity almost all people if we, if the people who don't there's something going on that's not quite right, but uh, we do have the capacity for compassion, but oftentimes it require it's not automatic and it requires some attention uh, so um and also being honest and authentic uh when you're the outlier it 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 can be really scary and it and it can be painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that uh, Suzanne, you and I have talked about this where um Oftentimes I either felt like I had to be in order to maintain the peace or keep things nice. I had to be silent. And if I didn't remain silent, then I had to hedge what I really believed. I had to frame it in a way that was going to be acceptable Uh, um, or I had to argue and and be aggressive. Those seemed to be my options in the beginning. And none of those options felt good. Mm -hmm
2: well and and that was one of the things that I found so compelling about what you were doing because I had certainly experienced that and was finding it really hard to get to that that balance point of not alienating but being authentic and it continues to be a challenge. It's not like i'm I have arrived, I need this presentation as well as anybody, because it's an ongoing um, skill development. For it me. is.
1: It's, it's kind of a circular thing. We, we do some work, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about this too, but we do some work on ourselves. So that's the kind of before the conversation, before the actual, before the connection, there's this before, and then there's work during, and then there's after where we can process, uh, and and then it starts over, and then we do some more internal work, and then we go to another, con- and each conversation can present unique challenges, and each relationship has its own Rules and roles and boundaries, and, uh, you know. So there's always there's always something to to learn. So um, we do have a little bit of a disclaimer, and that is that these conversations are, can be. It's very it's very natural to feel uh, that discomfort or frustration. Uh, the The goal isn't to uh, suppress or get rid of those feelings because those feelings are uh, important. They're they're signals, they're protective measures, they're giving you some information. So uh, just so you know, we're not gonna teach you a way to have these conversations go without, feel completely comfortable. They just generally don't. Uh, But the goal is to help you build up a tolerance for some discomfort to feel good about engaging in these topics uh, and then to to have meaningful relationships where you can be authentic, you can be you. There's no hedging or hiding or negotiating who you are uh, and that you can speak for animals or for a plant-based diet or for anything that you feel passionate about.
2: And let me also say that one of the things that is almost like a mantra with you, Anne, that I loved hearing was, if you're feeling, start to welcome the discomfort. That if you're feeling discomfort, it probably means that something is happening here. And if we don't immediately think, oh, that, you know, I need to avoid this, it doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. but just say, oh, here's a chance, here's an opportunity. So it's a different way of relating to discomfort, which I thought again was extremely helpful when I first heard you say that.
1: Yeah, and you know, I do take into account that sometimes that discomfort is giving us a signal that this isn't safe. I do need to step away from this conversation, or I do need to step away from this situation. And but but you know, I think we we are um, wired to if we're not stopping a moment to assess to have that moment to take a breath and 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 look mm-hmm. at it will act as if it's the worst case scenario we'll act we'll, we'll, we'll you know fight or flight we'll do that right. so yeah. so yes sure and that's why i say the point isn't to kind of eradicate that that feeling it's to make friends with it and and mm-hmm. and notice it so okay so i did talk about this how there's some before work during and after now uh uh What Suzanne and I were talking, the thing we both said about this presentation, we were kind of reviewing it in preparation for today, uh, is that any one of these sections could be its own presentation. It could be its own hour or two. So we are just doing a quick overview, but we do do host uh, uh, online like Zoom meetings every month usually uh, and uh, where we do practice this stuff. And basically people who attend can say, here's the situation I had with somebody and then get feedback on real world situations. So uh, so just so, so you know, we're just going to do a quick overview today. So there's work that you do before is exploring and learning and, and just doing some introspective work and then also doing some studying, really. Uh, there's the during work. So while you're in the conversation, which is about listening and connecting and then sharing your, your view and then after, which is about processing it and self care, because sometimes, you know, it's uh, it's it's work. So let's get into the before. Um, so uh, I'm just going to go into the next slides to talk about these. But this is just a list of um the steps so it basically involves doing that introspective work also practicing mindfulness uh, uh, You'll that comes in really handy when you're trying to take a deep breath in the moment reflect on what you're feeling it, it, that is all mindfulness practice okay self-compassion and uh and so on so i'll just get into kind of it so i want to start out with just kind of the dictionary definition of compassion just so we're all on the same page because i i've also kind of expanded on it to apply it to the work that we're doing. But compassion in the dictionary is awareness of suffering with a wish to relieve it. Now, in this work, in this, in these kinds of conversations, I include uh, in compassion that it's an understanding of someone's lived experience. So that's part of it, including our own. Uh, and that it comes, I, alluded, I talked about this a few minutes ago, just that it comes naturally, but not automatically. So there are some things that we have it in us to experience, uh, but it requires our attention, our turning our mindful attention to it in order to stir it up or ignite it or help it to grow in us. And because uh, a thought I just had the other day about compassion is that compassion isn't something separate from us as human beings. It's part of us. Mm -hmm. And as such, When we do pay attention and help it to grow and thrive within us, we ourselves become more human, more alive. Um, Mm. That's why I think this work that we do is so important.
2: And I'd like to add, if I can, um, Mm. the uh, point there of understanding of someone's lived experience. I know you often reference this. um, And so it's part of how I think too, which is, that one would start to have a reaction to somebody else to sort of step back for a moment and say, wait a second, what was I doing for the first, in my case, 55 years of my life? You know, and so I I was not conscious of these things. And um, so when I find that somebody seems not to be getting it or maybe having um, a negative reaction, I remind myself, whoa, wait a second, their worldview is being threatened just by my presence and to be compassionate, just that as I would have wanted somebody to be compassionate with me if if the role were reversed. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think- a, Yeah, I, I was just also gonna say I love yeah. the the statement, without safety, there is no connection. Yeah. And as therapists, counselors, mental health professionals, we know how critical it is for people to feel safe before they can even just start to open up and talk about what is going on in their worlds.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So. so speaking to people, and being compassionate with ourselves, and then also speaking with others and connecting with others uh, with compassion uh, creates that environment that says, uh, "I'm not here. I'm not going to harm you. I'm not going to." So, so, so it sets this kind of tone for the that it's okay for you to be you. It's okay for me to be me. We're going to come together, even if we disagree, and you know, so. Uh, yeah. And then as it, as it pertains to kind of advocacy, connection supports mutual understanding, which supports advocacy. Okay. Um, so I'm going to use myself a little as a case study a little bit. So this was kind of the first thing in this introspective journey that we take in order to get to the point where we can uh, be prepared to have these kinds of conversations. So as I uh, got my journal and started to write about... Uh, do this exercise of writing about my life. My intention was really to write about when did I, when, when did I go vegan, when did I go vegetarian, and so on, and kind of work my way backwards. Uh, as it turned out, I ended up writing much, much more, uh, kind of a, a personal history. Uh, and um, as I did that, I I I realized that over my life so far, they're, like most people's lives, there have been great things, some highs. There have been really low, low points, uh, a lot of mistakes and total screw ups um, and uh, recovery from those those mistakes. Um, uh, you know and mixed in with the highs and lows, uh, you know, one or two, you know tragic things that happened that I also had to grieve and recover from and move through. Uh, and um, as I did this exercise, uh, it was really emotional. It was really meaningful. And at the at the end, when I kind of got everything out at that moment that I felt I, I needed to get out, uh, two main things happened through this. One is that rather than look upon my past self with judgment, as I probably did at the time that I was making the mistakes or not doing the right thing, uh, instead of looking with that critical eye, um, I had this kind of upwelling of tremendous compassion for myself, for my my past self. Uh, And then connected with that was this realization, this kind of very honest and deep realization That no matter what I was doing or what good or bad decisions I was making, I was doing the best I could with what I had at the time. Whether that was with with whatever support system I had at the time, with what information I had at the time, with what maturity level I had at the time, or feeling of readiness to make any uh, particular decisions or changes in my life.
2: I I have a question, Anne. Sure. Just as I'm listening to you, and obviously we've we've talked about this before, but I was just thinking in terms of our audience, you and I are both trained in, we're mental health professionals. Correct. And so we've gone through a lot in our training that allowed us to use ourselves as case studies. And I'm wondering, yeah. Do you have any comments you wanna make about people who may be watching this and who think, oh, that's a good idea. Let me write myself as a case study. um, Anything that you wanna say about the um, caution?
1: Absolutely, thank you. Thank you for saying that because absolutely, Um, even with training and with with my training as a therapist and then with my own history, going to therapy, this was a very emotional process to go yeah. through. And it's in particular, if um, there is any history of trauma or something that you might come up against as you're as you're going through this. Uh, it, it, it is a very powerful exercise, but it's a great one to go through with a trusted therapist. Yes. absolutely okay. to do it together with a therapist is, is such a great idea um, or, like said, or yeah.
2: a person that you feel totally exactly comfortable with and who you know knows you and is going to support you even if you start revealing things of whoa i didn't know about that yes um, that is not somebody who's not going to be thrown um
1: somebody where you who you can be vulnerable with
2: Good ways you
1: will feel vulnerable for sure. And like I said, it's not that I set out to do this deeper, more meaningful, although it turned out to be, uh, I had learned some things that I think were really uh, applicable to this work. Um, I meant to just put this uh, context of how long it took me to go vegan, right? Um, So uh, if I look at that real quick. And so, by the way, this is me. That's the baby. The baby is me. <laughs> um, and I'm an only child. These are my cousins and, and aunt. But um, I uh, was an omnivore for 27 years. And what what prompted me to change that is that I got a migraine attack, my, the first one when I was 27 years old. And it was so painful and powerful that I I said, I have to, once I recovered from it, I said, I have to do some research and figure out, again, research is how I tend to solve my my life's problems, but um, I have to figure out what preventative measures I can take. That led me to a yoga class, which uh, in that yoga class, I met somebody who was 14 years old and 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 vegetarian, vegetarian, Uh, uh, which piqued my interest. And then I, I learned about mindfulness and then ahimsa Uh, the concept of just doing no harm. And all of this came together and I made a decision to go pescatarian. Now, I think I would have gone vegetarian, but I had a boyfriend at the time and he was absolutely committed to remaining an omnivore and there was this social pressure um, and relationship pressure to not rock the boat too much. So I was still, I was getting a little more clear on what I wanted but I wasn't yet at a point where I could, um, go, you know, go go further than being pescatarian. So I did that for some years, and then went vegetarian. Broke up with that uh, that guy, and then um, uh, was went vegetarian, and and then ultimately, finally, uh, at at forty three, went vegan. Um, And if I frame this to you another way in this chart, you see my age and what I was and what was my openness to going vegan at any of these times, it was absolutely zero until it wasn't, until Mm -hmm. I went vegan. Uh, I was very happily vegetarian uh, and thought that I would be vegetarian for my whole life. And um, something got in my way, something disrupted my reality, something compelling enough that prompted me to go further with it. Mm -hmm. Now, how open was I to even talking about it? So if somebody had uh, a vegan person had come into my life in some way and started to talk about it, well, I was kind of polite about it. So I'd say I was open to it too, you know, when I was an omnivore. And then that did kind of steadily go up. um, And now I'll talk about it any old time. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, but how nuts did I think it was to go vegan? Well, when I was an omnivore, absolutely. Uh, I I thought it was just completely out of out of reach. But why would anybody want to do that? Um, And then that steadily kind of, you know, that did go down over over time. And of course, now I think it's completely reasonable. So. Uh, I can't see who's out there. I'm just going to say that there's people out there listening, and I would like you to take just a moment. If you have a notebook, I'm going to kind of stop talking for just about like two or three minutes um, and just give you a moment to kind of sketch out uh, when did you go plant-based or vegan, uh, and was there a path for you, or did you uh, did you go from omnivore to vegan? I'm just going to uh, set a timer. Um, and let you do that. Suzanne, what do you think, two
2: minutes? I think two minutes is fine. Okay. And this plants a seed for people. Um, like you said, you didn't set out to write as much as you did and people might get inspired to to do a lot more or just boom, this is the way it was or this is where I am now. And so, yeah, yeah. I think two minutes is fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it certainly is something to kind of expand on over time, Um, but it's just to kind of get a, a rough idea, a rough outline of it. Okay, all right, so I'm gonna keep moving on because I know I'm a good look at the time. Uh, so again, just kind of keep working with yourself with that and see if also you can kind of get in touch with that sense of compassion uh, and for your for your prior self, your whatever uh, you know missteps or roads you went down, if you can get in touch with that. This is a foundation for kind of developing a sense of self-compassion, which mm. then kind of radiates out of us. So when we can be more compassionate towards ourselves uh, um, and build that kind of compassion muscle, it, uh, it does uh, help us to be more compassionate in and, and the world. So um, another thing that is really helpful is to understand why we and people in general stick to bad ideas, even when there's lots of evidence uh, that contradicts what we believe. And there are a couple of reasons um, that so, so one of the reasons it's so difficult is because uh, old statement here, because the truth doesn't matter, not at first. Okay. So what matters at first isn't what is true, but is what it's, what is believed. And we believe things for all different reasons that are, A lot of times not based in any kind of logical truth that's based on what we were taught mostly in the first five years of our lives. So a lot of these lessons kind of carry through, become part of our identity, and therefore they're things that we don't even question. They're just the way we move through life. Uh, almost every decision we make day in and day out isn't something we're thinking through step by step or asking ourselves, should I, shouldn't I, is this right or wrong? It's just what we've learned to do ages ago. Um, um, certainly what we eat is a foundational lesson. We learn it and the people who we trust, you know, are in our lives or who are meant to be there as trustworthy adults teaching us, uh, they are telling us what is okay and what is right and what is wrong. And when there are discrepancies, a lot of times we're not taught to really explore those discrepancies. It's just the way it is. It's the way of our people kind of thing. So we learn, we develop, as, as we develop, we develop kind of the ability to think logically and to do some critical thinking. Of course we do. Uh, but also there's this wealth of, gut information, this this, this embedded information uh, that that drives almost all of our behavior. Uh, and that comes very automatically while our critical thinking is something that we do intentionally. Uh, so this is one of the reasons when you speak with somebody and when you're speaking from logic and they're coming to you from what they learned when they were uh, you know two years old, their gut intuition intelligence um there's a disconnect there's a disconnect so jonathan Haidt wrote a book called the righteous minds and he taught, describes it as uh, we are an elephant and a rider the elephant being that gut you know emotional state and then the the rider being the critical thinking and if these two are out of sync it can it can create some problems mm-hmm. so it's, it's like speak to the elephant first when you're speaking with somebody Um, and how how do you so uh, another i'll get into how do you do that you speak to the elephant first um social norms we all kind of know what this is but it's you know that's the that's the process of socialization so these these lessons that become our identity become foundational they're just there and unless something comes up that's compelling enough to cause us to question it uh we'll stick with it um and um us going vegan, when somebody from our, in our lives becomes aware of that or they give us some pushback about that or going plant-based, uh, we, um, we are not yet a compelling enough reason for them to toss out everything they've learned up until that point or they thought they knew up until that point. Uh, what I like to call this is that I may, and for people, whether they're in my life or I'm meeting them at a table uh, and I may never see them again, is that I... I'm not gonna be nest probably I'm not gonna be the one that sees them the light bulb go off and then them make a big change in their life. I'm a priming a priming experience. I offer a priming experience. And for me, over those years, from going pescatarian to vegan, there were many, many, many priming experiences, some significant enough for me to remember them and be able to recount them, like meeting that vegetarian 14-year-old. And then others that I'm sure happened many times, uh, many things that I was exposed to. And like many people, when I was exposed to, let's say animal, uh, the, the torture of animal agriculture. I rejected and said, I can't even look at that. I don't. I can't. I can't bear to see it. But I still, you know, kept kept doing my thing. So we know the social norm is 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 uh, weighted in this way. So that's what we're dealing with. And just a reminder that it's natural to feel anxious or frustrated when we're challenging social norms. Okay. So, um, when you're in it, when you're in the conversation, uh, the first step, when somebody says something to you that you, it might start to sort of stir things up. You are starting to notice for me, it's like, kind of like, right. Like sometimes stomach, sometimes like right in here, heartbeat might go a little faster. I might start to like clench a little bit, feel a little tense. Um, my hands get cold. I, I don't know. I that's, I don't know if that's just a me thing or if that happens, but I think that. Um, you know, th- the blood goes to the core, right? The extremities get cold. Um, and I'm pre- that's my body. That's my brain and body preparing for fight or flight. So I know now to recognize that as the, my signs of, oh, oh, I'm, I'm getting like activated here. Um, so the first thing to do is just slow down and breathe, listen, and listen to the person, listen to what they're saying, and just uh, listen to myself, listen to what my own body is telling me. So quick responses, if I were to just come out with something quick, uh, that's coming from my gut, that's just, that's not the cognitive. And slow responses tend to, tend, gives me the time to connect with compassion. Yeah. Okay.
2: Let, let me just um, say a few things about this, and, and we don't have time to really even practice mindfulness, but this is, this whole idea that that Anne is referring to, um, a mindfulness practice can be extremely helpful in that slowing down. Um, and it's called a practice for a good reason, which is that it's not just something that you can pick up when you need it, like, oh, I'm thirsty, I'm going to pick up some water. It really is something that one develops And what I would say is even something as simple as a two or three minute practice every day will go a long way towards remembering in those moments when you are starting to feel activated, um, that you can say, oh, let me slow down here for a moment. Let me take a deep breath. Another part of it that I think can be very, very important is noticing where it is in your body, and Anne already described that. I don't know about the rest of you, but it's easy for me to have all kinds of physical reactions to things and not be aware of it. So I'm not even picking up on the cues. But if I'm doing a mindfulness practice, which I have now for many years, I'm much more apt to notice and when it's happening. The other thing that I will say about it is, if you're going into a situation that you think might be a challenge, to actually remind yourself, okay, I'm going in. I know about breathing deeply. I know about slowing down. I know about not just boom saying the first thing that comes out of my mouth, because that may not be the best thing for me to do so there are all kinds of things and we could probably do a whole session on mindfulness and how that can help you in these challenging um situations how do i stay connected to me and how do i maintain connection with the other so
1: yeah yeah um it is really helpful. It's actually a critical part of this, I think. Uh, Mm -hmm. and also I think sometimes what I noticed in myself was that I was spending a lot of energy telling myself a story about what that person was saying. So Mm -hmm. I was hearing it as, um, resistance excuses, uh, um, you know, I was I was kind of weaving a narrative around that. Oh, I've heard that before, or oh, that's you know this that or the other thing. And um, with mindfulness, I learned that how to kind of, and also nonviolent communication, uh, yeah. which um, helps. Uh, learning about that helped me to to shift. Just like sometimes it's these absolutely tiny little shifts. Uh, in your perspective that makes an enormous difference. So uh, instead of, of hearing it that way, I started to listen to just simple explanations without weaving that story. Uh, and that did, I stopped interpreting what they were saying. I just listened.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and in
1: that time asked questions, you know, about, um, you know, to clarify, to listen until I felt like I fully, fully understood. Um, and in that I would uh, now here comes a kind of extension or a connection, a bridging, which is there's almost always common ground. Now if there isn't any, there isn't any, so I say find honest common ground. Uh, but most likely, because I've done that work of reviewing my own history, I know that I can relate to making those excuses or having those ideas that when I look upon them now, I know they didn't make, sense logically. Um, but I didn't know that then. So I can say to somebody, oh, you know what? I used to think that way too. Um, uh, and then um, in, in that, uh, again, this is something we referred to before, but it's sending the message this is a safe place for us to share what we really believe and how what we really think, even if we disagree. Okay. So that
2: I think, I think what you're talking about at least if I'm understanding you correctly is that there's a shift where I'm going from whatever I'm feeling whatever I think is important to say yeah to putting myself in the other person's shoes and saying I wonder what and like you said, with curiosity. Yeah, I wonder what's going on with that person. So it's a shift away from me and my discomfort or my need to express something, to if I'm sensing that there's some something going on here, to hmm, I wonder what he or she is feeling right now. Yeah, it's not always easy to
1: do. It's not but easy, it's critical. It is. It's it's really about learn again listening, just like. Just like mindfulness is a practice, learning to truly listen
2: yeah.
1: is a practice. I know that I would find myself, uh, when the while the person was speaking and they're sharing something with me about themselves, I would spend that time constructing my response.
2: Exactly,
1: yes. That's not really great listening. Not, not <laughs> Not no, it's certainly not helping me connect with any compassion. I'm not really connecting with that person and what they're saying and what they're telling me. Uh, I'm making up a story about what they're telling me, and I'm coming up with my my perfect response. Um, and this tended to happen even more once I learned over time when I learned more about, uh, yeah. like, just the answers to the common, like, you know, things that people say when they learn you're vegan. I felt like I had the perfect comeback for that or something. Um, And that's just not that helpful. Mm -hmm. I can correct some misconceptions, but that's later. Yeah. That's not first. Okay. Um, Okay, I know we're running out of time, so um, I'm just gonna share this kind of uh, way that I look at, again, I said that uh, sometimes it's these tiny little shifts in the way you look at something that can really make a difference. When I'm ready to share what I believe, I I see it as me sharing like a scrapbook or a, a photo album. I'm inviting somebody to, to learn something about me and I'm sharing it with them. I'm not... You never take a photo album and, like, force somebody to look at it and, like, you know, demand that they, you know, I don't know, acknowledge something about it. Like, it's a sharing of something. It's communing with someone. And then when I do say something, because at that point I fully understood what they said, I've connected by saying, you know, I understand, you know, or, or I used to think that way. And now I'm saying something that is probably contrary to that, right, because I've learned to see it this way in a different way. Um, I check in and say, "So, how does that land with you? What do you What do you think about that? You have any thoughts on that?" They might say, "Oh, well, you know, it's something to think about, or whatever." It might not go any further mm-hmm. than that. At that point, I let it go. Yeah. Because really, whatever happens after that, it's just not my business. It's not mine to do anything with. Uh, my my job is to do the the inviting. Um, but anyway, I like the visual of like the the. Mm-hmm. Uh, The photo album okay so after uh, i'll go through this pretty quickly but um as as suzanne and i both know right suzanne that these conversations can sometimes take a lot out of us right so uh especially i think if we're like for myself like i'm a highly sensitive person um i'm i i'm constantly kind of absorbing this like emotional energy and uh i really do feel really tired afterwards even with like really um uh you know good conversations. I think I still feel kind of exhausted afterwards. So I know the day after I do a table, I or even after a, the day after a table, I don't plan anything except to like stay in my pajamas and like relax. Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: because and it's just not, I
2: do a lot of if one of us have had a particularly challenging situation we do chickens. with Oh yes, we, and yes. Valuable processing
1: is so important. Finding like like-minded people to process mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, that you don't have to explain why you believe what you believe with somebody who, who already gets that, uh, and then being able to re- to kind of review that. Um, I think that's kind of what we try to provide in those monthly uh, meetups, um, and I, I always recommend keeping a journal. There's something about writing. You could type it, too, but um, uh, in one way or uh, form or another, kind of helping, that helps you to process it more personally, so, and then sometimes compassion comes way after uh, something happened a few weeks ago that uh, really, I just, I couldn't respond in the moment with the person, I couldn't drum up the compassion, so I stayed pretty quiet, uh, and then I processed it with with Suzanne and um, a couple of other people. And then like three hours later, I was like, oh, there's the <laughs> compassion. There it is. Now, I don't I, I that won't necessarily help me with that particular person, because I don't know if I'll see that particular person again, but it will help me the for the, for Mm. the next conversation, because it will happen again. I will feel that. I realized too something interesting that in that moment, I realized that I felt like I was about 13 years old. That person (laughs) must have reminded me of something that brought me back to a time when I couldn't speak something that was contrary to what the authority person was speaking, you know? So anyway, for what it's worth, there are times when not to bother. Uh, So the rule is everybody walks away with their dignity intact. So if things get a little out of hand and there's something like going on like this picture, that's not going to do anybody any good. Uh, The the goal in this is is to connect, not to become a better punching bag or anything like that. Um, So you do have a right to protect yourself, not just from abuse. Of course, you have a right to protect yourself from abuse. But honestly, I have to protect myself from getting like significantly annoyed because that's not that space that I want to live in a lot of the time. So I just modulate and I look, I just, with that mindfulness, paying attention, I did make a decision. I say, do I want to continue here or, or do I want to say, you know, I'm feeling extra tired right now. And um, this is an important conversation. I think I'm going to need to pick it up at another time if that's okay. You know, and then, and then move on from there. Uh, But in some way, let it, let it come to an end. And sometimes people breach boundaries a lot. I don't, deal with that i don't really take abuse during these conversations yeah. that's not that's not the, what it's all about and sometimes i'm feeling overwhelmed and need a break uh and that is okay to do okay uh I, i'm not gonna we don't have time to go through that but it's basically everything that we we talked about um and i will be sharing like a cheat sheet on on the replay yeah. so when it's posted on youtube the
2: description will get a a, a summary on there um and on that, is there a way for people to connect with us? Yes. Okay. There will be,
1: yeah. Um, so further discussion, just some things that are kind of always in the back of our minds about what to do is that, you know, what Suzanne and I are both um, vegan primarily for, for ethical reasons. So we always have animals kind of at the, at the forefront of our minds when we do our advocacy. And... Uh, so is it too much to expect some days to engage in this calm discourse while like billions of animals are be, are needlessly suffering? Uh, um, you know, should we instead be out there kind of like raising hell somehow? You know, uh, I think that there is a place for all types of advocacy. I've certainly been out there protesting and such any types of peaceful advocacy. I'm, I'm in favor of. Um, and this is just something that. Uh, is kind of what I call everyday advocacy. It's how to interact with just day in and day out. We are ve- we are vegans or you know plant based living in a non vegan world, in a predominantly non vegan world. So it's 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 the water we're swimming swimming in. So we need to be able to have a way to feel um, good and and connected and um, you know compassionate uh, day in and day out, not just. Feel active on those days that we're doing something specific. So,
2: and I, I want to add that when I became vegan, um, I was very fortunate just through happenstance to run into a woman who had started something called Vegan Spirituality Group of Philadelphia, which we have uh, listed here. But there are vegan spirituality groups throughout the country. So we're at, actually there may even be some throughout the world I'm not sure but if you go to veganspirituality.com you will see resources there for me having um a support like that was absolutely invaluable in my early days it still is now but it was crucial uh, in the beginning I felt extremely lonely and isolated um, I think things are are different now, 17 years later, but I think it's still, um, it can be a challenge. So I'm, I'm saying that by encouraging you to get support through We Did It or yeah. through Vegan Spirituality or through uh, any, there are many, many vegan groups that you can uh, connect with, and I, I really recommend it.
1: Absolutely. I do too, for sure. So, I think that we are um, concluding now, and um, here's our contact information. If uh, anybody wants, please do stay in touch. I think we're going to be doing some work with We Did It, and so hopefully we
2: will. Yes. Thank you again for your attention, and thank you, Peter and We Did It, for inviting us. Oh, we can't hear you, Peter. There
1: you go oh,
0: here here we go well thank you thank you very much for for being here and for presenting your your remarkably important and and wise information i i love your your approach and inviting people to have a friendly conversation i mean it's uh we we'd love to understand what it is that people are thinking when yeah what is it that they're afraid of to have a conversation and and i'm sure there's lots of things that they can be afraid of and and they they may have experienced uh, arguments and and it may be that they really know that that they care about animals not just their dogs and 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 they don't they don't want to deal with it because they don't want to face what what it is that uh, yeah. that, that they they feel they're doing wrong but So many beautiful things you mentioned here. And I have all kinds of notes, but I'm afraid we're running out of time. yeah, so I'm just—I'm not going to—we're uh, going to let these go for now. But I would love to invite you to uh, to join us again and uh, and uh, do some of your workshops. I, I love that you're you're doing your groups where people can process uh, a- after the fact, and and that's really very much part of our vision too. Is we're building community and to have a community where ideally what we're looking for and hoping for is eventually get to have such a large community that anytime any of our ambassadors any of us run into a, a disturbing situation we can within hours have have a group that's running real time and and we can yeah. join and, and vent and get the support we need so
2: wonderful i love
0: i love that you're doing that and and maybe we can invite you to to uh, do some workshops and uh, and we'll, we look forward to doing that. And everybody watching this, uh, we did at that health, uh, with our Facebook presence and our YouTube presence and, and, uh, co- coming soon, our, our community platform with our website and all those things. I look forward to sharing in the future. But for now, we definitely will be sharing more workshops and, uh, we'll have them on our calendar. We have a calendar. So, People watching this, uh, if you're looking for, if you have an emergency, if you need urgently need support to vent about something, you certainly can find it. And what, what is your uh, meetup group then where somebody could get that kind of support?
1: Yeah, so I have the our, our websites up on the screen right now. And whenever we schedule one, it will be posted on both websites. Mm-hmm so they can go there it is through meetup it's through the vegan spirituality group of philadelphia um we're running them but they uh shared their uh um there's their platform because they have a a bigger reach than we do so they they this is like advocates helping advocates um so they've done that uh and been very supportive of of the work that we've been doing so Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's yeah.
0: that's beautiful, and I'm sure they're doing amazing work. Um, as as uh, spirituality is such an important part of being vegan, so that's that's a whole other area that uh, we'd love to have conversations on, and and uh, look forward to perhaps connecting with with the leaders there, and and uh, inviting them to present to to our community. So with Morning. that, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else that uh, you ladies would like to share?
2: The
1: only thing is that if because we did run out of any kind of Q&A time, if anybody does have questions that come up, just reach out to us. We have our email addresses there. We'll we'll, you know, I'd be happy to respond to any questions.
0: Correct.
2: Yeah,
0: Absolutely. And and. At the same time also to have to to start conversations on our YouTube channel when you watch this video, we will we will monitor and participate and answer questions there, as well as on our Facebook group. So uh uh Whole Food Plan-based vegan and Whole Food Plan-based ambassadors is the Facebook group. And uh please uh please have the conversations there and or anywhere, email them because all your questions, all your comments, all your concerns are so important because it every little bit helps us move closer to to that healthy, happy, well-fed vegan world that that we're all looking forward to having. And and of course, that's what pause is about, right? A post-animal uh, cruelty world. So, yes. Well, well, with that, thank you, everybody, and I'm going to close this broadcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> namaste vegan.
2: Namaste. <laughs>